Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. On this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place and provide inspiration for others. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires everyone. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet here. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. Welcome back to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and today I'm speaking with Rayanne Mustafa, a nutrition enthusiast and startup co-founder who is dedicated to closing the gap within our food system by making healthier food more accessible while reducing our carbon footprint. Welcome to the podcast, Rayanne. Hi, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's begin by learning about Soul Much, your company. Um, tell us a little bit about what it is and what inspired you to create it. Yeah. So we essentially use cookies as a vehicle for environmental change. Um, our whole mission is reducing food waste. So we partner with large chain restaurants that oversupply on brown rice at the end of the night. Um, and instead of the chefs just tossing it, it was simply just oversupplied on. Um, we rescue it and we turn it into a flour. And with that flour, we bake into vegan, gluten-free, high-protein cookies. So um, it's been really fun, a really fun experience having this company. Um, but I always, I never thought I would be having a cookie company. Sure. In fact, I always say um, we were not a cookie company seeking upcycled ingredients. Uh-huh. We were working in the food industry seeking a solution to the food waste. And that kind of, the, the cookies were birthed out of that. So, Interesting. Um, yeah, it's been really fun. <laughs> you study food and nutritional science at San Diego State mm-hmm. University, right? With a yep. minor in sustainability. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you started a food blog when you were a freshman and were really looking at how, um, you know, the plant-based lifestyle can transform people and the environment. Um, So, you know, at what point did you say, I'm going to start a company? You know, when, when did that sort of occur to you and how, how did it turn into this? Like, where did this specific idea come from? Um, I, absolutely dreaded the idea of starting a company. Believe it or not, I thought <laughs> that the corporate world was so sexy, right? I mean, you had clock in and clock out time. Uh-huh. You had paid time off. You had vacation. And um, I, I think I believed that because both my parents were serial entrepreneurs and okay. my parents were immigrants. So um, entrepreneurship is something almost in survival mode that we've had my whole life. So um, I thought it was really intriguing to do, to work in the corporate world. Um, but what I've learned is what you resist will persist because here I am now having a company. So, um, <laughs> but it really came out of the idea, I'll be honest, it was that nobody was going to do anything about the food waste and that if I didn't, it would just sit there and the problem would continue. And I think that realization that the idea of thinking that someone else will fix these problems um, and then realizing that I was somebody was a very empowering moment. And um, it came, the business came out of a need to solve a true problem. And I think um, that's why I'm so dedicated 
to it yeah. and the craft itself. Yeah. So tell tell me a little bit about, I know some, some big businesses donate their extra food to Soul Much. So who are some of your partners who, you know, sort of help with the pipeline of the, the ingredients that you need to, to make what you're, what you're producing? Yeah. I, so thankful for our partners. Um, so it started out with True Food Kitchen, yeah, um, which was a restaurant that my co-founder and I both worked at. So we started out as co-workers, and then now we're co-founders in the company. Okay. Um, so True Food Kitchen, very grateful for them and their generosity, and they've been really key player in this whole component. Okay. Um, we started actually branching out to PF Chains, um, Payway, Pickup Six, all these other restaurants that are within under. P.F. Chang's branch has okay. been really helpful. Okay. Um, and then a local juice bar here in San Diego called O Juice. And we take their juice pulp as well and we use that to flavor the different cookies. So we started off with just rice, uh-huh. um, but now we've been able to expand to picking up and rescuing other types of food that we can then use to flavor cookies. So okay. It's been, it's been a really, without the partners, we would not be able to do this. So I'm very thankful for the restaurants that, that yeah. participate. And where do you sell your cookies? Who, how do our customers find them? Definitely online. We opened our online store in February. Um, but we're also selling at farmers markets here within San Diego. So um, Ocean Beach, Hillcrest, all these little local markets within San Diego. Sure. Um, but we're hoping to do a lot more catering options and catering um, go down like the catering route is something that we're really diving into right now. Awesome. What's the vision long term for you? Where Where do you think you want to take this? Ooh, I always tell my team we have like a big sign in our kitchen that says one million. And um, and for us, like the moment that we rescue a million pounds of food is like our goal, goal, goal. And awesome. what that means is that it's not just, we, we can't personally rescue a million pounds of food. That means that we must have inspired others along the way and maybe opened up a so much rescue hub in LA or San Francisco. Um, so it's really the ripple effect. So yeah. it's one goal, but there's a lot of micro steps that needed to get there. So um, that would be, uh, I can die a happy woman after that. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. That's really cool. So do you feel like you're leading sort of a revolution of sorts? You know, is this, it's a revolution in the way that we think and in, in how we act. Um, do you see it that way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely believe that we're redefining what business means and showing that profit and purpose can Uh truly be two players on the same team. Uh And I really do believe that we are, you know, closing the loop within the supply chain and starting a food revolution and really making food waste on the forefront of people's agendas, Uh but in the funnest way possible, because I feel environmentalism now can have a very negative connotation with it. It's very if we don't act now, we don't act never. And and I believe that there's a time and place for that type of um, PR, but I also believe that it can be fun and we can, we can, you know, save the world in a fun way and in a delicious way, such as eating cookies, right? Every yeah. cookie you eat saves a pound of food. So um, really uh-huh. just want to lighten the, the side of environmentalism and hopefully doing that with cookies. <laughs> yeah. And innovation and, and entrepreneurship, I just, and collaboration because of all the mm-hmm. um, companies that are sending you their leftovers, their, the food that wasn't consumed. And it, it, it is a ripple effect. I really love the way you said that because um, it's not one person, but it has to start, start with one person and then move on mm-hmm. to impact and include so many others. And so, um, so bravo to you. That's really, really cool that you're doing that. 
Um, <laughs> so you mentioned that your parents were immigrants. I know they were Syrian refugees, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about that and how their experiences and their courage shaped you and, and helped to form your identity here. Yeah. So my, luckily my parents were not directly in a war zone when they came. They were just living there from Syria and first generation here. But um, I think anyone from immigrant descendants, whether your parents are from Vietnam or from Mexico, um, have this hustler mentality where it's constantly like grinding and working and, and doing whatever it takes. And I think that work ethic and that discipline really, really does um, trickle down to, you know, the, the children. And I'm very grateful for that. But I will say, I feel every rose has its thorns because sometimes they do lack the balance yeah. um, and will work a little bit too hard, but um, definitely it's, it's learning. And, and I'm really grateful for having that. And that duality within culture, cultural perspective is really um definitely shaped a lot of who I am. Yeah. And then, and then you're in the food industry. And so you, you, you're balancing these cultures, um, you know, from your identity perspective, but how has food played a role in that duality as well? I'm sure you have influences from your, your parents' origins, but also from your American roots. So how has food, um, informed your identity? Yeah, food is our love language, definitely. Um, <laughs> food is a way that it's, for at least for us and at most cultures as well. And, um, you know, my grandma was a cook and then my mom, and then it was passed down to me. And I just always grew up in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe people can relate and have, like, my big fat Greek wedding image in their mind. Where it's like, oh, come back, eat more, eat more. <laughs> Like, that's actually how it was in my household. <laughs> so, um, like, that's all that I grew up with. And so, I mean, it's on a more intimate level, like my mom, she was a single mom and my family was on food stamps growing up. So for us, not only was food so valuable in terms of the cultural sense, but also in the economical sense as well. And so to us, food was extremely valuable resource. And, you know, when I went to college and I got my first serving job at a restaurant, I was shocked to see how much food was being wasted on a daily basis. And I think that that had a major role into um, why I was like, stop, we need to do something about this food waste. It was because I had the high cultural tie and the value of food to begin with. So, yeah, yeah, definitely culture and um, the struggle, too. I think that, 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 that definitely helped as well. You know, food waste is an issue that really um, upsets me as well. And I try to be so mindful. I have four kids and I, um, I'm constantly at the grocery, but I try to be really mindful in, you know, what are we buying and how is it going to be used and, and making sure that there isn't um, excess as much as we can. And I wonder if that food waste um, habit comes from not understanding how valuable and how scarce food is in some areas, sort of this culture of excess we have in this country, or um, is it because, you know, you go to some restaurants and they're huge portions and nobody can possibly eat all that? Or, you know, when you go to other places in the world, you, you don't, you're not served as much food. And I think there are other places where people appreciate it more and understand um, how valuable and important it is to nourish everyone. So, you know, where do you think that comes from? You know, this, this, it's definitely a trend, this food waste in, in this country. What do you think is behind that? Yeah. So I always say, you know, I mean, everyone knows like 
you can't hate someone if you know their story, right? That's right. Like a very well-known thing. Right. I believe the same thing with food. You can't, you won't waste the food if you knew how much resources it took to grow it, or if you knew who even grew it. Yeah. So I think I don't blame anyone necessarily. I think it's just our fast culture right now. But um, I think we have a huge disconnect of where the food actually came from. Sure. So what I would, my dream, what I would love to do, and I, my team and I talk about this all the time, is that we would love to just do like a mini documentary series of showing where each of the food comes from that's being wasted, whether it's coffee grounds, and then tracking that all the way back to the grower, and then the water it took to to you know, make the coffee beans versus the rice versus all the fruits and vegetables. If we saw that that chain, I believe that we would be a lot more responsible of our food waste and food consumption. Yeah. But, but because we don't have that direct connection, we don't know the story behind the food, yeah. it's a lot easier to just disregard it. Um, so definitely think that that's a major role. I think that's really smart. And I'm waiting for the documentary. So get on it because I think this is a story <laughs> that we need to see Thank for you. sure. Um, so tell me, where did you like, what's the story behind your um, company name? So much. Where, where did that come from? Uh, that's a funny um, So we originally <laughs> were full, full. Okay. Um, and we, no reason for that. We just loved the name. We're like, oh, so full, full of life, full circle, yeah. full circular economy. Yeah. Um, we were not, we were not even incorporated at that moment. We had maybe just one San Diego State University article written about us at that point. Okay. I'm um, just like, you know, I was trying to solve food waste with soulful. Within probably a week, we got a cease and desist letter from what? Campbell's Incorporated oh. saying that we were infringing on one of their like side names um, for like their oatmeal company, but they have one of their companies within underneath them. Oh. And we were like, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we couldn't even, we couldn't continue to grow the company until we had a name we could incorporate, you know, yeah. our taxes insurance. Yeah. Um, and so we were just, I was throwing it out there to the universe, like manifesting as much as I could help friends and family come up with the name. And we had some cute, like, ones, uh, some suggestions like Rice Cycle, um, you know, some interesting interesting names, but it wasn't until I was actually had um, a friend of mine from Brazil visiting me. And the first thing I did when I was with her, I needed to get my oil changed. And so she knew I was struggling with the name and we just kept brainstorming because I posted it everywhere and, and asked her the moment she came. And I was handing the guy um, at the oil place some money and I go, oh, thank you so much. She goes, Ray, so much. <laughs> and I was like, no, Isa, I'm here I am thinking I'm teaching Ray my Brazilian friend English. I'm like, no, Eva, it's so much. She's like, great. I know how to speak English. <laughs> Thank you so much. So much to be grateful for. So much more. So much more than cookies. Oh, and nice. I'm going to have a name. <laughs> and it just so stuck. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. So um, before we finish our conversation, I thought I'd ask you, um, you know, on this podcast, we focus on how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. And I wonder what um, advice you might have for our listeners about how they can discover their meaning and, and their purpose. Um, what, what thoughts might you have? Yeah, um, definitely. I, I, I think purpose, at least purpose and meaning, definitely go hand in hand. And um, I think many of us think that purpose is handed to us on a silver platter and uh -huh. that we will find it or it will be this thing that we will become enlightened and find. Sure. Um, but I personally believe that 
purpose will not be handed to us. It's 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 not magic. It's something that we must continually pursue and create. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a constant act that, you know, through the struggles that we have, that we find meaning in overcoming them or being mm-hmm. forced to be in uncomfortable places. We are squeezed into new shapes and becoming stronger. And, um, just really finding the balance. And I think when things get hard, we tend to just stray away from them, but yeah. realizing that those are the moments that really are what find us purpose. And I think that those are the people who've been able to master that and work through those really hard moments and struggles and, and challenges are the ones that come out the other side with have found meaning and purpose, but also being stronger. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think many of us think that the purpose of life is to be happy. Mm-hmm. And personally, I believe that it's, really to be useful, to be honorable and compassionate and to make a difference in someone's life. And once you accomplish that, I think happiness follows and and that's when you find your purpose. So um, just remembering, I guess, the advice I would have is just remembering that it is a continuous act and um, it's not going to be easy. Purpose is the most, knowing your purpose to me is like one of the most beautiful things, but to find that beauty, you have to struggle. Um, So just being aware of that. I love it. I love it. I couldn't have said it better. So thank you. Well, Rayanne Mustafa, founder of Soul Much, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you. And I really appreciate you being on the Make Meaning podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've really enjoyed being here with you today. You can find the Make Meaning podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And I'd love it if you'd share our great conversations with all your people so we can add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do.